Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. Your source for everything outdoors. Let's kick it into overdrive. Overdrive Outdoors podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Whether you are new to predator hunting or looking to upgrade your equipment, Predator Hunter Outdoors will have you hunting after the sun goes down. Carrying a full line of lights, night vision, and thermal optics, along with tripods, calls, mounting systems, and more, check them out at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com or on Facebook at Predator Hunter Outdoors. Use promo code OVERDRIVE2021 for 20% off your order. Want to lengthen your time in the field and shorten your scouting time? Not only does the HuntWise app show you property boundaries, landowners' names, and in some cases even their phone number, but using the app will show you the wind direction on the map of the place you want to hunt. And the HuntCast feature shows peak movement times for various species, including predators. Get the HuntWise app at www.huntwise.com, the Google Play Store, or the Apple App Store. For only $59.99 a year for Pro or $119.99 a year for Elite. Use promo code OVERDRIVE20 for 20% off an annual membership. Hey everybody, so Kevin Wright here tonight with Carl Roller. Good to see you. We're going to talk a little bit about trapping. That season's coming up in next week, Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's creeping up faster <laughs> than I thought it was. Um, I don't know about you, but I got pretty much all my traps already set. Um, I, Carl and I were talking about it a little earlier. I primarily do land trapping. I've never water trapped. Um, and I primarily target coyote and fox. So I actually prepped all my traps back in August. Um, not right. My process normally is good pre-cleaning. I clean them off last season when I pulled them. Uh, let them rust a little bit clean them again, boil, dye, and wax, and then hang them and let them sit. Correct. That's what I would do if I was, I don't typically do a lot of land trapping, but if I were, mm-hmm. that's that's the route I would go. You can go also the route of, if you wanted to spray, spray paint them. Yeah, I've seen uh, what was her, um, Trapping Girl does that a lot, Linda White. I've seen her spray paint hers like bright pink, <laughs> and I've seen a bunch of them out there, but I, 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 I have a hard time I know they have success with it, but I'd have a hard time with that just because I know it gives off a smell. But so, when you wax it, you should, in theory, cover all of it, um, cover that smell. So does the, she wax it after she paints them? Yes. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know that. Yep. Okay. Because I use, um, actually, there's a walnut tree down the road, so I'll use walnut hulls or logwood dye. Okay. And the way I do it is I have a turkey fryer. And I have I fill that up as much as I need to to cover my traps with water, mix in my dye, get it all stirred up, and then just put a bit of trapping wax enough to cover the surface good. Put all my traps in there, and I boil them for usually about half an hour, and then turn the heat off, and then just slowly pull them out of there so the wax on the top coats them as I pull them out. Give them a little shake and hang them up. Yeah, that's that's typically what you do. Uh, me, luckily, since I'm a water trapper, you don't have to worry about. I that. don't got to do that actually. <laughs> waxing would make it worse for me because mm. then they become more slippery yeah. and then in the water i'm dealing with some big traps uh 
that's the last thing I want on my hands. Right. Because you do probably use a lot of the big kind of bears. So yeah, I typically use like your 220s or your 220s, your 280s, your 330s. Uh, and then I go with a number four uh, or Duke, or I can go with like a 750 uh, MB. Duke now makes us, they don't make a 750, they make an 850, which I currently am waiting for them to come out with. Um, last I to was told at the convention, they're in shipping containers in China. <laughs> Right. everything's in a shipping <laughs> container in china so we're just waiting for them to come across uh they look like a pretty stout trap from everything i've been told and seen i got to put my hands on them during the convention mm -hmm. whatever that was that two was, weeks or two months ago yeah it was well as the last weekend of august wasn't it or second weekend of august yeah so it's actually been about a month over a month now yeah so that's that's i got to put my hands on them and enjoy looking at them and just getting <laughs> excited on how big of a you know the 750s and those are your and i'm trying to go with the other one is but your are your cadillacs of beaver trapping uh, the bigger the trap the mm -hmm. easier the foot is to hold and so what all species do you trap i literally trap just about everything to the point yeah i really don't get too much into the fox and the coyotes anymore um coons are done by a nuisance if i have calls for them or if I know there's a pretty good population in the water I'm going for, uh, then you got the muskrats, the mink, you know, the otters and the beavers are my primary. Okay. And then I got luckily uh, invited up to the UP last year to go for my Fisher and Martin. And you were successful on both. I was successful on both. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to go back up. Um, I still haven't got that majestic bobcat yet. Uh, that's the last thing I can legally trap here in Michigan. I am still trying. I'm going to try to trap it again this year. I'll try it for the UP. I'm going to try to shoot it. If that's mm. what comes of it. But um, um, what kind of set are you use for Bobcat? You think Bobcat? I'm probably going to use the Cubby set. Okay, is that's what I'm going to look for. I figured. Um, I, I've been shown the walkthrough sets too that are pretty productive if you know of an area that they're coming through. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty simple. You just find the two track. And you set, hopefully no cars are coming up and down this two track, but you run, put your set right in the middle of that two track. Um, and then what you're going to do is just put two holes on the side of the two track and put some lure in there. So all that Bobcat's going to walk through, he's going to stop and start to look around that for the smell. Mm -hmm. And eventually he'll step in it, but they're always running, walking up and down the, the car tire of, of the two track. Yeah those pathways like that i know a lot of guys like to use that for coyotes and fox too what they call a flat set and you put them on travel ways my biggest problem with that for coyote and fox is i get a lot of times they travel deer paths so i get so many times where deer will set the trap off so then i'm out there resetting it all the time and it's kind of a pain in the butt so i don't use that very often um, I have used some sets similar to that where I've identified pathways where you can tell it's not a deer because there's too much overhanging brush or whatever and they're going under it. I've used it on that with success, but on like bigger, more open trails, I just get too many deer and stuff like that going through there and they keep tripping it. So I just kind of gave up on that type of set. Yeah. Um, so have you heard anything this year as to what fur prices are going to be yet? I have not heard. I was just talking to Rick from Deep Ravine, mm -hmm. 
and today actually, and he said he's waiting. He should have an answer within the next week or two of what a better price of what furs are going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a couple people out there that are saying this or that, but they're never going to be able to give you a price until things are starting to come right. a little more. I know last year muskrat started off low and then the value went up throughout the year to where at the end of the year they were pretty decent. Yeah, they almost doubled in price, or actually they over doubled in price. Okay. From when they started about three dollars right mm -hmm. off the bat and put up rats were getting more on the seven, seven dollars. Um, the market kind of came up a little bit, but they're then they're projecting again from what I was told that they'll start off right around there. But again, we'll see yeah. where things are. If this is the fur prices. Oh yeah. Well, I know last year Fox wasn't worth hardly anything. And we actually did good on Fox last year. The only problem is I shot almost all of them with my Grendel, which isn't fur friendly at all. <laughs> coyotes, on the other hand, they weren't bad, but they weren't great either. I think the most I got for a coyote last year was like 25 bucks. Yep, that's somewhere around there. I've heard that coyote is still going to be decent this year. I've heard Fox is still going to be low this year. I don't know if it'll be as bad as it was last year, but I heard it's still going to be low. Um, I'll probably never sell a bobcat. I mean, we can only get two, really. Right. Um, and I don't see myself selling one. I got one on a mount on the wall, and I got another tan fur over here for one. So I, I don't think I'll ever sell a bobcat. You know, if we could get a bunch of them, like down in Texas or something like that, it'd be a different story. But I don't think I'll ever sell a bobcat. And I'm right there with you with my Fisher and Martin. Now, what's the limit on Fisher and Martin? So it's in a combination so you can either get two martins or one martin and one fisher okay and that's it so your season will be done you get 10 days to trap them that's it really 10 days yeah oh wow. that's and just like our bobcat season around here right there isn't much time but they are very very curious they're always food hungry mm -hmm. um, and if you do your research and figure out you know what they're looking for where they're at uh, it really actually was pretty pretty easy last year for us to, to complete our task. Did you use a set on a log? We did. We okay. used just about every set we could use that you could see and find. Some, you know, I missed I missed a fisher and uh, straight up and down set because we got to take the triggers off. <laughs> I missed a Fisher and a Martin in a set because I put the latch the wrong way in the box. Um, the guy that traps quite a bit, I would, would say for myself, to make these simple rookie mistakes, it happens to all of us. So, you know, expect it. Yep. Um, I even had a guy that was with me. He trapped the last seven years for Fisher and Martin, and he was watching me do it. <laughs> he didn't say anything. And he didn't, he didn't even know about it. He didn't even notice it. So he, he, uh, he's just as much as fault as I am. Well, you know, it's there was a guy on one of the forums. I think it was actually on one of the whitetail deer forums yesterday or today that was asking. He said, hey, I got a bunch of coyotes in the area. He says, but it's a residential area, almost like a suburb, like by a trailer park. And he says, uh, I just want to get some traps and see if I can trap them. And my first comment was, and I think a lot of people have this misconception, is you don't just throw a trap on the ground and say, here you go. There's a lot more to it. In my experience, anyway, you know, bedding is key. You have to bury the trap. 
you have to blend it in you have to do all that as scent free as possible then you have to make the type of set you're going to do whether it's a flat post scent, a, a scent post set flat set dirt hole set and there's just every year i'm learning about more and more types of sets we had that get together over at rick's and jim tate was talking about that set he was using now do you remember what he called that tire set you're talking about no no it was something the like clock set or something oh no maybe he talked about a set where basically he has his dirt hole or whatever his lure in the middle and then puts traps out at like 12 9 6 and 3 o'clock all the way around it hmm. and he says that set has been working great for him but i i've never even heard of that you know i mean i've heard of doubling up on your trap sets and if you catch one when an animal's caught and for people that may be listening that don't know, a lot of times I'm land trapping an animal, and it happens with most of them, is there will be what they call a catch circle by the time you get to the animal. So in Michigan, in the lower part of Michigan, you have to check your traps every 24 hours. In the upper peninsula, you have to check them every 48 hours. So by the time you get to that animal, again, he's been trying to pull out of that trap. So the whole area in a circle, as far as he can go, is usually dug up. The worst ones for that are badgers, which I've never even seen one in Michigan, but badgers will dig down. I've seen videos of where badgers just dig a huge hole. Rain grenades. Yeah, and it's like, holy crap, that's impressive. Um, but your coyotes and your other animals will usually have a circle where they've tried to pull out of the trap and they've dug up the ground. So what you'll do is if you go back and reset that set, you'll set that same trap, but then set a couple outside of that catch circle. Because once that coyote has been there he's probably crapped on it he's probably urinated on it and that will draw in more coyotes to check it out but they'll probably stay away from that circle so you set them outside of that circle and you're possibly gonna still get some action on it um and that's one thing that is definitely different between the water trapping and land trapping and jim tate talked about this at rick's too a lot of people don't know anything about trapping and there's tons of people out there that are anti-trapping because oh it's so cruel and blah 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 the animals are gonna chew their legs off or it's gonna hurt them blah 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 traps by law nowadays really for the most part don't do any permanent damage all they do is hold the animal like a handcuff i've had traps on my hands it's not easy to get them off by yourself trust me i've done that twice now but it just holds them like a handcuff last year i had my first non-target species catch and it was a gray tabby cat so i go out to check my trap line and there's this gray tabby cat and i'm thinking oh great got a cat someone's cat probably the landowner's cat you know i go up to it and uh the cat went around the opposite side of a tree there and just laid down and was hissing at me and i said listen here buddy so this can go really good for you, it can go really bad. Let's see how this goes. So he was on the opposite side and his paw was outstretched in the trap. I just went up, released the trap, let it go. And cats are funny this way. I've watched it on tons of videos for bobcats and apparently house cats are the same. You release them from the trap, they just pull out and they just sit there. And so this cat just sat there and I looked at him. There was no broken bones. The skin wasn't broke on his leg, nothing. He was perfectly fine. So I waited for a while and tried to like shoo him out of there. He didn't want to leave. So I just said the heck with it, left him and came back and reset it the next day. But for the people that say that, you know, trapping is so cruel, it really isn't. I've come up on coyotes and they've been asleep, caught in a trap. 
Um, in the wintertime, I went up to one and from a distance looking at my set, I didn't think there was anything in it. As I got closer, I noticed a mound in the snow. Well, I get up there, the coyote had fallen asleep and was just covered in snow. I drove up and he pops his head up and looks at me. And, you know, he was really other than the fact he was laying there sleeping. There's nothing wrong with him. Yep. You know, it doesn't destroy the fur. Now, back to my point, in water trapping, a lot of your traps are lethal, correct? Correct. All of them? Yes. Okay. I, I mean, so for like the a, most part, yes. A, a conibear is designed to kill, correct? Correct. Okay, so a big conibear, how big is that, you'd say? I think it's an 8 by 8 is what a, a 330 is, okay. if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Please okay. don't hold me to that one. <laughs> right? I, I'm pretty sure it's an 8 by 8. Okay. Um, that That is meant to be lethal. Yep. Um, and you see those really common for woodchucks, all your water animals. Aside from that, you don't see it used for anything else like on land for the most part. On land, it's not legal. Okay. So the law, really? they even changed it now. It has to be half submerged. So, so you can't use them on woodchucks? Legally, no. So not... I've never tried to trap woodchucks, but I've... I know a few people that have used <laughs> yeah, them. Right. Because uh, it fits the hole perfectly. Okay. Um, but the new, it used to be, it was gray area for us. Okay. It said water. So what's water? an inch yeah. half inch is it a puddle a stream a lake completely underneath it you right. know so now they have stated that it has to be half underwater for everyone's sake it's just easier to put them under the water but um, for beaver trapping i like them half out of the water um, it's a great way the beavers will come into the set and they can still see the set as they're coming in um, otherwise you got to put them out you put a log over it and beaver's natural instinct is to take the run that they're coming in and dive down under the stick yep. and then they don't see the trap coming and and bang you got them so uh -huh. now with a conaberry conaberry with a good catch it's instant death too right incorrect no. so they'll die and they'll die quick it's not instant so oh, okay. when i get like i'll use footholds i mm -hmm. use number four duke footholds for beavers the reason why i go so big if you take a beaver's back foot, it's about the size of your hand. Oh, yeah, especially a big beaver. Right. So I have to make sure I'm not catching by a toe so that they break a toe off. I'm not, you know, I'm trying to make sure I'm doing everything I can to make sure this animal goes down as fast as right. possible. So the beavers, they have such power. I've had it a couple times where they'll go down the slider, the drowning rig, and that's to send them to the deeper water and when they get down to the water they can't come back up so they end up drowning that's what they call a drowning set correct okay so when they're down there they have such power you know they can move trees with just cutting mm -hmm. them down and moving them um they'll actually pull your drowning anchor and now your beaver has a, an anchor and they're on a, a rope by the foot and they're pretty ticked off um what i'll do is i always bring an extra 330 with me I'll set that 330 and then as that beaver comes to me, I use that 330 and I then lay it over them and they don't die instantly, but they die within under a minute. Okay. It's pretty quick. Okay. Um, so a lot of times what I'll do is if that happens, I'll set it off and then I will walk away, allow them to die in peace mm -hmm. to a point right. and go check my other traps. And then I'll come back and then I'll remove him from the trap, okay. reset it, and then 
continue. So on. does a beaver get aggressive in that situation? Yeah. So beavers really? get really, they don't back down. They're not trying, it's not, they're in a fight or flight and there's okay. no flight because they've been trying for however long they've yep. been there. At this point now, they are very mean, very uh, teeth showing. Wow, I, I've never knew that before. Um, they are a very dopey, slow moving animal except when they're ticked except when they're really <laughs> mad then they are very fast uh they are coming for you and you wow. better know what you're i would hate to get bit by one of those with the teeth they got yeah wow i didn't know that see now and that's something too with like coyotes fox and cats um i have yet to have a coyote that was really aggressive when it was in a trap most of them are pretty laid back i've had a couple that did a little barking and howling but that was it Red fox, I have yet to catch a red fox, but gray fox want to tear a piece of you off. They mm -hmm. are super aggressive. Um, one of them, the actually very first animal I caught was a gray fox. And when I came up to it in the trap, it was caught by the back foot. And like I said, this is the first animal I'd ever trapped. And people were saying, you know, save the fur. You know, you don't want to shoot it with something big and et cetera, et cetera. So one of the methods a lot of guys talk about is you take a Y stick. You pin it down and you stand on its chest and suffocate it. Is it humane and it doesn't destroy the fur, et cetera, et cetera. Some guys say that once you're standing on them, you can hold, pull up on the back legs and do that. So that was my intent. So I found a stick, cut a Y, and my buddy Jeremy was with me at the time and he wanted to watch it. So he's videotaping it. I have the video. So I'm trying to pin this gray fox down the whole time. The gray fox is trying to get a piece of me. Finally, I pinned it down right behind the head and just got up to it and was about to step on it. And that sucker pulled out of that Y stick and he damn near got a piece of me. After that, I just took my 22. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not doing this anymore. I just took my 22 out and popped them and was done with it. You know, because one, I don't want to sit there and antagonize and harass the animal anymore than I have to. I want a quick dispatch, which suffocation when done right does. Other guys, I know uh there's a youtube show called trapper jake i think it's called you ever watch that i have not nope old time trapper and his method back then and i know some guys that still do this is you go up to the animal and they'll take a like a short club and smack them right between the eyes and that knocks them out and then you dispatch them quick easy and clean when it's done right i'm not doing that i no. mean I, i've seen guys do it and it works extremely efficiently the animal's done instantly. Um, no damage to the fur. Animal doesn't suffer. Boom, it's done. But I, in my head, I just keep picturing, okay, I'm going to miss. I'm going to whack it on the nose. And that's going to be hurting. And I don't want to do that. You know, so now bobcats, like I talked about earlier, it's funny. If you get on some of the YouTube channels and pages, I've watched videos of guys releasing bobcats because <laughs> That's one thing I'm glad I haven't had any of you as incidental catches other than that tabby where he had to release them. Um, a lot of guys will use a catch pole and you hold a cat down. And I don't know if you've ever watched a domestic cat go nuts, but they go nuts. <laughs> and cats are more fragile than like a coyote. So you have to be really careful with a catch pole so you don't do any permanent damage to the animal. Basically, you hold it down, then release the trap and you let it go. Well, cats will either sit there and not do anything or there's a video i watched last year the guy had to release the cat because if you have an incidental catch and it's not in season you have to release it so the guy was wife was in the truck videoing him releasing this cat 
So he got out there and he released it. And the Bobcat ran up into and underneath his Jeep. He had a Jeep and it actually <laughs> ran, went underneath, like up in the engine compartment. Oh, and uh, yeah, that was interesting. His wife was kind of freaking out and then he had to wait and try and get the cat out of the engine compartment and all that. But, you know, like, like that tabby, once it went away, it walked away fine. If you watch these videos, I've watched videos of people who had to release bear, mountain lion, wolves, and bobcats. And when you watch them run off, they really don't even limp. So you can tell the animal isn't really hurt, which is what we want. Right. You know, especially on an incidental. Um, I have a catch pole. I haven't had to use it yet. Another one, too, that is, uh, uh, I did release a possum at landowner's request that I caught. And that one, I really, he hissed at me a little bit, but possums when they're in trap are pretty laid back. Yep. So I released him from the trap and he didn't leave, kind of like a cat. So I tried nudging him with my foot. I'm like, get out of here so I can reset this trap. And he just kind of growled and, you know, didn't really do anything, just laid there and moaned at me a bit. So I actually reached down, picked him up by the nap of the neck, walked him over about <laughs> 20 yards, set him back down, then went over and remade my trap set. Didn't catch him again. He, after a little while, you see me just wobbles away. Um, have you ever had incidental catches in water trapping? I, the closest you could say I've had incidental would be in a beaver set. I caught a raccoon, but I've really? never gone the opposite. You know, like okay. I never someone's dog or right. scratch that. I have one other time. I was trapping a, a lake. And I had it under the whole trap, under the water, the whole 330 on a beaver run. And I got up there and I said, I think I got one. I got something floating right where that trap's at. <laughs> and I walk up and I'm not joking. A Canadian goose stuck its head in there. And the thing set it, <laughs> set it off on a, really? on a goose. And the goose was laying there. Now the goose was in season. Mm. So it wasn't. Again, it's still not legal because you can't, right. you're not supposed to be trapping geese. Yeah. But yes, uh, that would be the only time one, a couple coons and uh, a Canadian goose. Wow. See, now I take that back. I have caught squirrels. I've caught squirrels in my footholds. And I had one that just, to this day, it absolutely baffles me. It was a foothold set for a coyote. I think it's a two and three quarters inch. I think it was a Duke or, yeah, it was a Duke. I just started using MBs last year. They're a bigger, heavier trap. So far, I haven't really felt the need for them very much. So I primarily use Dukes. But I go out to my, check my trap line, and I'm looking, and I'm like, well, the trap is set off, but there's something in it. <laughs> and it had me scratching my head, and I get up to it, and it was a fox squirrel. A big old fat <laughs> fox squirrel. But that's not even the funny part. The funny part is the jaws on the trap were closed. The squirrel was between the pan and the jaws. So the trap never actually closed on the squirrel, <laughs> but the squirrel is deader in a doornail. I have no idea how that happened. And how cold did it get the night before? It wasn't cold. It was not even winter. Now that's, huh. I, it still baffles me, but he was deader in a doornail. A big old fat fox squirrel. So I still, <laughs> I, I, it baffles me, but... Yeah, I have, I've caught, I think, like three squirrels. The last one I caught, I actually released. That was fun. Oh, yeah. He wasn't happy, but he did run away and climbed up a tree and started barking at me. But I did um, have, uh, this is a shocker to a lot of people, but I was, we had a, I had a buddy, he had some chickens mm -hmm. that were coming up missing, and he thought it was coons. 
So we put some coon cuffs out for him. And he calls me up the next morning and I was on my way to school. And he said, you're not gonna believe this, but you caught something in, and when I'm like, well, okay, cool. That's what I was playing, right. right? Yeah. And he said, it was, it's a red fox. In a dog proof? In a dog proof coon cuff. <laughs> so anyone listening that doesn't know, a dog proof trap, usually it's a cylinder, maybe like the size of a small Red Bull can, except shorter. Yeah, inch and a half yeah. diameter. And it's got a trigger down in the bottom that you actually have to grab on and pull up to set the trap off. And then it closes around just to that paw that holds it. So the theory is a canine or anything else isn't going to do it where a raccoon will go in there and grab something with its arm yep. where canines and felines can't do that. So it's made, that's why they call it dog proof. So other animals, dogs, etc., won't get caught in it. So the, the rac, the rac, uh, we, I was using a marshmallow for my trigger yep. and dog food up. Mm -hmm. So it came in eating the dog food for whatever reason. I must have wanted to try to get it get more in there. You get some try, out. Must have tried to scoop it out with its paw. paw and shoved its hand down there. And the fox has a smaller hand yep. than most dogs. Probably hooked it with a claw or something and just pulled up just <laughs> enough. And sure enough, he, you know, and it, it's legal, so it's trapping. Yep. And it was trapping season, and yep. he thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So <laughs> we tanned it, and uh, he turned it into a. a arrow quiver oh, okay and red fox red fox arrow okay. quiver and so he thought that was pretty neat um back to your story i did have one time when you were saying about you know them being a little aggressive and cats and things like that i one time i was trapping a river and i came down and i typically don't like to let people know what i'm doing just because traps grow legs when people start knowing oh, things yeah. so i was talking to a local fisherman and i said uh you know how's How's the salmon run going? Or anyway, you know, steelhead. It was a little bit later. I said, How's steelhead going? Oh, not bad. And he said, so we started talking a little bit. And he goes, Yeah, there's gonna be one, one pissed off trapper coming in. And I said, Why is that? And he goes, Oh, there's a <laughs> there's a beaver up there that is splashing around and he got out, he got the drowner pulled. And I said, Oh boy. Well, I'm that lucky pissed off trapper. <laughs> so that's me. Uh, and he said, Oh, he's right up there. I said, Oh, I know where my you know my sets are. I said, uh, all right. I said, I'll see you in a little bit. You know, good luck. Uh, I better go, you know, take care of this so the animal right. is dispatched yeah. properly. So I got up there and I didn't doing this, I don't bring an extra 330 so that people don't see the trap right. and associate me with the trapper. Well, now I get up there and I have no trap. So what do I do? So I thought. I'm going to make a Y on a stick. <laughs> yeah, and that's I'm, always a good plan. <laughs> and I, I'm going to run that, that Y right down the, the wire yeah. and pin them to the bottom yeah, and, drown. and drown them myself and just hold them down there. Well, here I am. And this It was a big beaver. You know, I think it was a 40, 45 pound beaver. So here I got this beaver pushed down to the bottom and I'm putting all my weight on this thing. And I'm sitting down there and I can feel them moving. And all of a sudden I feel chomp, chomp, chomp the thing. The beaver was actually starting to chew the wood of the stick I was laying on <laughs> that I was literally laying over top of. Yeah. And then I thought, oh man, if he bites this and comes to the surface, I'm landing right <laughs> on top of this really ticked off beaver. Yep. So I let him back up, broke the stick. And then to what you were saying, I actually hit him right behind the head. Mm -hmm. There's a soft right spot. At the base of the right? skull. Yep. Yep. And it 
instantly puts them down. Yep. Um, down they go again. Then I just put them, the trap will take them to the bottom. Yep. Um, and again, I then run the rest of my trap line, come yep. back, pick him up on the way out. Yep. And then it's as humane as possible. Yep. Um, and one thing I'll add to that, since we're talking about it a little bit is um, for anyone that doesn't know, you can trap on public land you, and there are regulations on that. You can trap on private land, obviously. And one of the problems you run into, like you said, is people find your traps, all of a sudden your trap's gone. I've heard of people releasing animals out of traps. I've heard of people shooting animals in traps. Yep. Just so people out there are aware, that is 100% illegal. Correct. And I don't know if it's a misdemeanor or a felony. I don't know either, but it's uh, hunter harassment. Yep. Um, now, there is a gray area here, and I don't shouldn't really say this, but so I had an incident where I asked a farmer if I could trap. It's one of my really good calling spots. I go there and I can almost guarantee I'm going to call a coyote. Mm -hmm. I asked for permission. He said, sure, have at it. So when you're looking at a piece of property, those two tracks, he, no one drives up and down it, but those two tracks are, are dynamite for, yep. for coyotes. They like running them. So sure enough, I put my sets right there on the, on the two track and I knew I had no one I was going to monkey with. Sure. So I got all of my sets out looking pretty. And all of a sudden I come back the next day and traps are gone and it looks like I have a catch circle. So now I'm thinking, oh boy, I had something, somebody saw it from the road and they took my traps. No, nope. that's not the case. So I then go to the landowner and ask what happened. He then informs me his sister lives right next door and was walking her dogs. And the dogs walking on the two track did what the trap was supposed to do and get the canine to go to the set. Yep. And sure enough, I hooked her dogs. Her dogs had no issues whatsoever. Right. But she decided that she was going to take my traps. So then she took my traps, released her dogs, took my traps, and then decided to get into a family dispute with the landowner. The guy on the property. What are you doing letting somebody out there? Right. I can't believe you're doing it. Well, he's saying, I can't believe you're trespassing on my property. Right. So now they're going back and forth, and they get into a heated argument. Well, now she decides she's going to call the DNR. Mm -hmm. So now she goes to the DNR and gets them. So then the DNR calls him and he's already heated from his sister. So he has some choice words for the DNR. <laughs> right. And next thing I know, I'm in the tree stand and I'm getting a phone call from the DNR asking what's happening and why am I threatening her? Which I never did. Um, as for the record, I never did anything wrong there. She became pretty irate. I have never, still to this day, have never seen the lady or had any interactions with her. Mm -hmm. What happened is she took my traps where, where my traps were, where, where my trap tags were. Mm -hmm. So legally on our traps here, we have to have our, either our number for our driver's license number yep. or our name first and last yep. and your uh, phone number phone number or your residence at your house. Yep. Uh, if that's not, it's a... It's a ticket yep. per trap. Yep. So when she took mine off out of the ground, she disconnected my trap tags. Oh, really? 
because that's where it was on is on the quick connect okay so now i'm getting a phone call from the dnr i'm trying to meet up to get my 30 dollars per trap set up yeah and so him and i got into a dispute about this and he was arguing that he should write me a ticket for no trap tag mm -hmm. I told him, if you'd like to go to court, I'll be happy, but she illegally removed my traps and she illegally touched my traps. By law, she's at fault. He then tells me that she could touch my traps because she was trying to figure out whose traps they were and that since she gave them to him, it was okay. This is where a lot of gray area came into here. And finally, he issued me a warning. And I said, well, I don't think I deserve a warning. Because again, I didn't do anything wrong. My trap tags are there. I said, you're more than welcome to come. And I invited him to come walk my lines with me. And I said, I'll unbury every single trap I have. I'll show you the tag. I'll show you every single tag. I said, you can look in the back of my truck because my truck was absolutely loaded. Mm -hmm. There is not a single trap without a tag on it. I said, I even carry extra tags just in case yep. something goes wrong. Sure. Um, still issued me the warning. Still this day, I make sure that every single trap oh, has yeah. fresh trap, uh, fresh tags on them. Yeah. Um, and needless to say, she's not welcome on <laughs> the property anymore. Yeah. But it so that's that's why I said there's some gray area yeah. because each DNR officer reads the rules a little bit different sure. than the next one. Right. So if you do have any questions, I do recommend you contacting your dnr officer yep, especially your local ones to where you're working right where you're any if you're going to another county don't hesitate they'll they'll be happy to call yep. or answer your questions uh, i got to know mine now pretty well from other things but um now i can call them up i ask i ask questions about other things outside of trapping yeah just so that i have his law and his interpretation yep. So that i don't get myself in trouble and i don't want to see it right myself get in trouble and that that helps a lot i do the same thing i have my local co's number programmed in my phone and i've sent messages to her on and off over the years well she's actually our newest one so she's only been working around here a couple of years but i've made sure to establish communication with her she knows who i am i know who she is you know one of the things we get a lot is people that have livestock that especially like chickens, ducks, whatever, that all of a sudden their chickens and ducks are getting taken. And they'll say, oh, I seen it, it's a fox. And right off the bat, you have people saying, oh, I'll just shoot it or, you know, here's some traps, trap it. Well, there's a season for them. Correct. You can't take them out of season without a written permit from the DNR biologist. Correct. And you have so many people out there that will argue that point up and down and they'll say well my dnr just said do what you have to do well i have the messages from dnr directly off their facebook page and messages from my local co reaffirming that you can't take them out of season bobcats the same way and fox are that way you can't take them out of season without a permit from the dnr biologist which most of the time they're not going to issue one anyhow unless you have like your you know your coop or whatever is bulletproof and you're still having trouble or there's some other danger chances are they're gonna tell you reinforce your coop do this do that pretty much everything they can aside from eliminating that animal now that being said there are licensed people that can do it out of season they're licensed by the dnr 
and I don't know what the details on that, how that works, if they have to report those catches to the DNR, they probably do. Yep. Um, I looked into it myself. So okay. you have to, you have to document every single catch you do yep. uh, across the board, the date, time, everything, where, location. Yep. And at the end of the year, you have to turn that in. And if you don't, then your nuisance permit gets pulled. Gets pulled okay. And that's the end of it. Yep. So if someone is having that trouble, just keep in mind, those species can't be taken out of season except by a licensed nuisance control person or without a permit from the DNR biologist. And again, anyone that's an anti out there, I say don't mess with someone's trap set because it is illegal. What happens, you know, unique situation, what you had going on, blah, 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 but seem to get into those quite a bit, <laughs> those unique situations, but it's good. It honestly, you learn from it. I learned from it. And they do too, hopefully. Right. Um, I have never had that problem. I only got into trapping because I actually have a property out here where the guy said the coyotes were getting terrible, um, having problems with deer, but they didn't want anyone hunting on the property. So he asked me if I'd trap it. I said, yeah, sure. Season opens up. I'll come out and trap it. I'd never trapped before. So I did a bunch of reading. There's a ton of YouTube videos out there. I bought a predator trapping starter kit from F&T, watched videos, you know, read books, everything. And my first season, I think I caught, I caught a gray fox and I think like five coyotes off that property. And he was happy with that. He's a great, <laughs> so the next season, I was starting to get a better feel for it. That first season I had, you know, deer set off a couple and I had one coyote that pulled out. Um, that's the only pullout I've ever had. And uh, I still haven't got that coyote either. I've caught him on camera a couple times and for a little while there he's walking with a limp, but I haven't got that coyote yet because he is a brute, he's big. Um, actually, I got his mate on the wall right there and that coyote, when I took it to the taxidermist said it was probably the biggest, prettiest coyote he'd ever had in his shop. And the mate to that one is the one that pulled out and it was bigger than that one. So it's a brute, but haven't got him yet. <laughs> but anyway, um, so only had one pull out and then I refined my trap sets and you learn how to adjust your traps. Another thing going back to someone that's new, can you just buy a trap set it and do your trap set right and use it? Yes, but there's modifications you can make to your trap on setting your pan tension, your pan height, your trigger, there's all that that you can do to make your traps work better for you. Correct. And I learned a lot of that after the first season. You know, first season I had a couple misses, had the one pull out, and then I learned more about, you know, night latching your traps, adjusting your pan tension, adjusting your pan height, learned all that. The next season, I think we ended up with two fox, and I think another five or six coyotes off the same piece of property. Wow. And then last year, he actually narrowed down the area I could trap where I used to have several places there I could trap. He narrowed it down and says, okay, only trap this area. So last year, I think we only ended up with three out of there last year. And uh, I need to get a hold of him here soon and see if he wants me to trap it again this year. But trapping in terms of nuisance or damage control is a really good method. It's probably one of the best methods for water animals, period beaver muskrat whatever they're damaging crops or trees or blocking up waterways whatever um in terms of coyote and fox 
they are best, in my opinion, trapping is one of the best methods where you can't shoot a gun, you can't call them, um, anything like that you can't do, trapping is the way you can get in there and do it. My big thing is when I've had people ask me to trap, my first question is, is do you have any dogs that run loose? If they have dogs that run loose, I don't want to trap it because I don't want to catch their dog. Yep. Um, before I got into trapping, there was a taxidermist, I don't know if you ever dealt with him, Armson nope. in Muskegon. And uh, I took a coyote to him one time to have him tan it. And I think I did the tail and the claws and teeth out of it. But anyway, he's in Muskegon and he gives me a call and says, hey, your coyote's right. I said, well, okay, I can come pick it up. He says, well, I'm coming your way. I said, well, what are you coming here for? I said, that's fine. You want to drop it off here? He says, yeah, I got somebody's dog in my trap and I have to go release it. He caught somebody's, I think he said it was a lab or a golden retriever in his trap, and he had to come up here and release it, which I didn't even know he trapped around here. So that was new to me. But I just don't want to have to deal with that. I'm I'm an animal lover, especially pets, you know. Yep. And like I said, it doesn't do permanent damage, but I still wouldn't want to see someone's dog get caught in it and then have to release it because going up to an animal, as you go up to it, you'll get a little bit of an idea of how its attitude is. But if you have a really super aggressive dog and he's pissed because he's in that trap, I don't want to have to go through that, you know. I don't want to have to use a catch pole on someone's dog or call the landowner and say, hey, why don't you come over here and hold your dog so I can let him out of the trap? I just don't want to have to deal with that. So if people tell me they have dogs running around, I tell them I just really don't want to trap it. And I've had that problem. Of, uh, I actually lost a piece of property that way. So I had a piece of property. It's right near subdevelopment, but... The guy has a big enough piece that I can actually coyote hunt it, like mm -hmm. I call it. And I said, I knew there was a ton there. There was actually sign. I couldn't believe how much, how many coyotes were running through that area. So I went to him and I said, Hey, you know, do you mind if I trap it? Sure, you know, you know, go ahead, have at it. And I said, Okay, you know, and I got to check my traps every day. And yeah, yeah, you're okay, you're okay. So set my traps. Uh, very first set got a red fox very first day and I thought I don't know how there's a red fox in here because <laughs> right. there's coyotes absolutely everywhere yeah. so next day came back had a miss next day came back and had a catch circle with blood and no no animal so now I'm thinking maybe I caught a rabbit and a coyote got it something you know I just didn't quite so I scratched my head and Okay, let's go. Let's go up and talk to the landowner. Figure out maybe if he saw something, because mm -hmm. he liked to walk it for rabbits. Knocked on the door. He comes to the door with a bandage on him, and I said, "Hi, you know, so and so. How doesn't look like you know? I was gonna say how's it going, <laughs> but it said it doesn't look too good." He said, "I'm sorry to tell you this, but at this point now, I'm gonna have to ask you to remove your traps." And I said, okay, can you explain to me what happened, you know, mm -hmm. so that I'm more aware of what, you know, the, the situation right. I'm in right now. Yeah. And he said, well, you, I went out and checked. I was doing some rabbit hunting this morning and one of the local stray cats that run around here was in one of your traps and I went to go release it. And that cat tore him up, tore him up. <laughs> yep. And he thought, you know, he said the cat, he, he fed it at the house. He petted it at the house. 
he the cat was just sitting there you know just like you would see it so he thought the yep. cat was fine and he said that cat latched a hold of his arm <laughs> and bit his arm and then scratched him and he had to go get his rabies his tetanus oh, wow. he had to go get all of his shots um he said he just doesn't feel right um so the blood at the trap site was his but uh, that was his <laughs> and, and the cat's because oh, okay. the cat did go home free uh, um but he said you know unfortunately that's that's what happens yeah. and like you were saying you can look at that cat and and he he fed that cat he petted that cat and animals just sometimes flip oh yeah um again it's fight or flight yeah and they feel that they're you know it's and that's just what it is yeah. um i know i would do the same thing if i got pushed into a corner yeah um and that's just just well, the way it happens like that tabby cat that i caught I was talking to other guys on the forums about it and everyone said the same thing. He says, you're lucky you didn't get tore up. So it's more likely for a cat to try and tear you up than not. He's then everyone's like, yeah, you're lucky you didn't. He <laughs> says, most of the time they'll wear like welder's gloves to release that trap because they figure the cat's going to try and get them. Um, and you really got to be careful. Like you said earlier, but, uh, when you're using a catch pole, cats are very susceptible to dying yes. easily. Right. So they say when you're using it, when you have a cat in a catch pole, do not just go around the head. Mm -hmm. they, a lot of times they'll tell you to actually catch, get a, a, a leg, leg and the you know the, the neck and then a, a shoulder yeah. uh, around the leg so that you can get more of the body. But again, you've got to be really gentle. Yeah. Because they break easy. They're fragile animals, really. Yeah. Um, it's funny because for anyone that doesn't know what a catch pole is it's a long pole i think mine's like four foot something like that usually has a cable or a rope through it that you loop over the animal's head around their neck and then you pull that tight so you can control the animals all it's for um i've seen guys that have had to at times actually suffocate the animal just to the point where they'll calm down pass out then you release it they get up they're fine again but it's mainly to control that animal so you can release it I've also seen guys use with bobcats, incidental catches, a big Tupperware tub. Oh, so yeah. they'll take that Tupperware tub and they cut a half circle out of one end of it. And you get that Tupperware tub over the animal. So that's paws <laughs> sticking out that half hole. Then you release it. And then you jump off that Tupperware tub and you run like hell because <laughs> whatever's under it's going to be ticked. And I've seen that done. And then I've also seen where, and I've seen this with wolves and I think bobcats, um, they'll take actually a piece of plywood. It works better if you have two or three people. And uh, same thing, half hole, half circle cut out of it. You put it over the paw on the opposite side of the trap. So that way the, and the plywood is between you and the animal, but its foot is right there so you can release the trap and then release it. There's a um, video on YouTube of a wolf that they released that way. And that wolf, I tell you what, you know, a wolf's, a lot of people don't realize how strong and powerful a wolf can be. I seen one guy release one with a catch pole, and that was impressive because he was yeah. snapping at the catch pole, trying to bite it as he's trying to get it over this wolf's head. And just hearing those jaws snap is impressive. And then he would howl and growl and all that. And I'm like, holy crap. His wife was standing behind him with a gun in case she needed it. But they did end up getting to the catch pole, held it down. She came up, released it. They let him go. Wolf ran off. Same thing with um, the plywood. They had two guys holding the plywood, get it up there, 
And I kid you not, that wolf was shredding that plywood to a certain degree. I mean, you could see pieces of that plywood getting <laughs> bit off when that wolf was biting it. But they got it up there and the guy released it, let it go, and it ran off and all was good. I think the most unique story I've heard was a guy that actually caught a bear in a foothold for coyotes. And it was at a golf course. So he goes up to check his trap line and boom, there's a little black bear in this trap. And he's like, oh crap, what do I do now? Calls the DNR. He had like, I don't know, two, three DNR officers show up. <laughs> they're looking at guys scratching their head like, huh, what are we going to do here? So their plan was they'll get it with a catch pole, hold it, release the trap, and let it go. <laughs> so they had, like I said, two or three DNR officers all got catch poles on this bear to hold it. And of course, the bear's struggling, you know, and they're holding it. And they tell the guy, they're like, okay, go ahead and release your trap. He's like, I ain't releasing that trap. <laughs> But eventually they did go in. I don't remember if it was the trapper or the DNR, either one, they released the trap and got it off and let him go and he ran off, you know, all was good. But talk about a situation that would make you nervous. Oh yeah. Um, and then again, I watched a guy do that with a mountain lion, had to release it. And oh my, you mean good mountain lions, what, 100 pounds, Easy. 120 pounds, you yeah. know? Claws and teeth, I would not want to mess with that. No, nope. not at all. Oh, thank you. Um, so we luckily were, don't have to do that. <laughs> no, well, uh, we were nervous last year of Martin and Fisher trapping. It had warmed up just enough in the UP. Um, we put all our sets out, you know, and you check your sets every day up there. Uh, that way you're, they're always producing. Yep. And sure enough, we went up to one set and the trap or the track was probably, they figure about a 300 pound black bear woke up in december yeah. and decided to go out and get a snack yep and we got a little nervous that as we were walking <laughs> in that he might have might be sitting in one of our traps because sure. you know we also set for bobcat up there too and coyotes right. yeah um and sure enough he luckily didn't get that curious but he came in to investigate and yeah. up there every every set just about we had the wolves Oh, yeah. They always come in and investigate. I know a lot of trappers would really like them to have a trapping season for wolves in Michigan. And if they want to do it effective, trappers are a great way to, you know, get some of their numbers if they do want to do that. I know the first year I went up and bear hunted with the booties, um, we talked to a guy. We took my bear in. He had a cooler. So we went in and put my bear in the cooler until we could get it checked in. And beautiful piece of property the guy had. But he said... They were trapping for coyotes on his property and they had caught, I don't know what he said, five, eight wolves wow. on coyote sets. And he said they called the DNR every time. The DNR come out, they released the wolf, whatever. But he said after, you know, three of them, the DNR is like, well, you just release it, you know, because it, it was getting so common. Yep. But holy cow, I would just, I mean, that's a big animal. The wolf isn't no <laughs> slouch. Um, Looking I, at the tracks, you know, I, I I look at coyote tracks we got here and I'm like, you know, you can kind of tell that's a good coyote. That's a young one, right. you know, when you see the tracks, when you're up there, you go, holy cow. Yeah. That's my hand. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're like, oh boy. And they got teeth. Oh yeah. And, and uh, we went up and hunted the one season that we have had here in Michigan. I hunted it twice. We hunted the first time, which they opened it the same day as deer season. So I was up there from November 15th. I think I stayed I don't know if I stayed a week or a weekend and hunted, never seen any sign. Well, then we went up between Christmas and New Year's, which January 1st was the end of the season. And this time we went up over to the east side of the state with another buddy of mine 
And what we would do is there was obviously plenty of snow and it snowed at night. So what we do is we'd go drive around and look for tracks and then, you know, kind of get an idea of how old the track looked based on how much it was snowing. And then we would start following the tracks and then we'd call and whatever his, his strategy was, he was hoping that we could find where they'd go along and go off to a kill, give us a chance to catch up to him and then call him in. But like you were saying, I got pictures of a track where I laid my pocket knife down next to it and it's bigger than my pocket knife. I mean, big track. I mean, yep. an impressive animal. Yeah, I, I got a picture in there. I've got one of those polar gloves that you can buy, you know, that have the the rubber hand and everything, mm -hmm. you know, and so it makes your hand look big, a lot bigger. And I yeah. put it next to it and it's it's oh, the yeah. same size as that. And I was like, oh boy. And yep. Every day we seen them, uh, you know, the tracks were always fresh. Every morning we always had fresh, yep. and we were just waiting to what's going to happen, <laughs> yep. you know, and so we, we brought a, a cardboard, or not a cardboard, Fly. but a flyboard we got with us, and I said, all right, you know, we'll do this, but one of you is going to have a, a pistol just in case, yeah, right. you know, and my buddy said, not a chance. He goes, I'll take a little bit of a mauling before I have to deal with uh, <laughs> the DNR over why I killed a, a, a wolf. Right, especially because back then they're probably under federal protection yet. Right. Well, technically here, I think they still are, aren't they? No, nope. oh, they finally dropped them. Yep. Okay. They're not under federal protection anymore. Okay. Um, so he just didn't want to deal with it in general uh -huh. because then you're going to be sitting there. Having you know, to explain to the DNR and go through an investigation. and He'd be else. bleeding it. You know, right. probably bleeding out. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, ah. <laughs> right. But. Yeah, they, he just didn't want to deal with it because yeah. it had been too much uh, just to deal with it. So luckily we didn't have to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, no wolves got into our sets, um, but they were there. They're there. Oh, yeah. Um, they're there very frequently. Uh, I, when I was up there, I would partridge hunt after we got done running our sets, doing our skinning. And the first day I always carried buckshot with me just in case I was getting mauled. I could somehow figure out how to get it <laughs> into my shotgun. <laughs> Didn't happen. Yeah. Um, by you know, by week three or day three, I was leaving the buckshot at home. They, yeah, the, the wolves really don't want to deal with us, no. but they are there. Yep, and th they are a, a problem in the UP oh, that, yeah. that definitely needs to be put into check. Yeah. So, how long have you been trapping? Ugh. I would have to go back and look. I know. We'll just say 15 years. Oh, really? That long? So, How, why did you get into it? So, I had a buddy that I used to rabbit hunt with. He trapped. I wanted to trap with him. I thought it was pretty neat. I saw a few dollars back then, and mm -hmm. there was a few dollars. Right. Um, I was pretty good at talking to the farmers and picking up more of their farmland for us to trap. So, we worked together. Uh, the next year, he moved, and I said, you know what? I got these traps. I got this property. Let's keep going. Uh, one of my deer hunting spots that I mainly rabbit hunt, I noticed there was a huge population of fox. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get into, we'll get into a little more land. Because at that time he was doing more water and coons. Um, I think I trapped five red fox and a coyote off of, two coyotes off of that piece of property that year. And sure enough, the next year comes around, no more red fox, but the coyotes <laughs> decided to move in. Yeah. So my problem got worse really quick. Um, 
and then you know i just started to enjoy beaver trapping i like the water you get a little bit more success every day mm -hmm. where here in michigan the success rates for trapping coyotes aren't quite there you said you went a season and got eight was your best yeah i think so so and again you're newer but even the season guys aren't stacking them here right um not saying you know when you start looking out west or down south they they do a lot better job per day yeah. but they're also running 10 times the amount of traps you ran right not 100 times right. more yeah because i think the most traps i ever put out was still only not even 20. see i a lot of times in a ditch that i'll run 20 sets in a ditch right but i'll come back and i i should have at least five if not eight to ten rats in that ditch yeah. um so for me i get a little bit more success so it makes it a little more fun for me and i think overall you're seeing trapping is slowing down for one there's pressure but i don't think that really matters to most of the trappers you know the pressures from the antis although they have shut it down completely in other states like california um and i think there might be another state too that recently outlawed trapping um, but i'm pretty sure they did out in california at least some areas but i think one of the reasons you're seeing a lot of people drop out of it is just because there's no more money in it like there used to be right the fur trade overall is down on the value of everything so much it's like you're starting to see you've seen it too probably tons of people saying raccoons are just getting terrible well i mean even rick said he still has coon hides from last year that haven't sold talking to him today he said that he believes there's going to be a market mm -hmm. is from what he's been told but it's going to be your larger right there your mediums and under are probably not even going to be bought right um but you're right that what i'm seeing now is you're not getting so much the people that are left are either the diehards that right. really enjoy it yeah or the dad taking the kid out to go do something learn something new and go yeah. be outdoors with the kid and get the kid away from those video games and, and boob tube and the whole nine yards you know right. so i think that's where you're starting to see where it's starting to push to um but uh, you know i enjoy it i i enjoy beaver trapping that's one of my favorites yeah and on i i understand where your your like is for it too you've got to get an animal to step in a one inch circle one inch yep. square in the entire world <laughs> yep <laughs> so i out took that animal and got him to step right there right where i wanted him to yep um it, it's a it's a big feeling of accomplishment when you're successful at it i mean same thing with calling i mean when you realize that you've outsmarted that animal that relies on its senses for everyday life survival everything else you've actually done your stuff well enough to the point where you were successful in overcoming that it's a big sense of accomplishment yep that's why like for me like in the last episode i do a lot of things so duck hunting was last weekend and opener for us is this weekend which won't happen when i'm talking about this <laughs> but that's okay um you know turkeys and ducks you gotta outsmart them yep. based off of vocals yep. um so now you have to convince that animal that you're something that bird that you're something else yep. and it, it's it's a pride thing you know sure. it means i did something right yep. and to get a mature tom to come in yep. that's a lot of work yep. ducks can be real finicky you know early right now the wood ducks are pretty stupid but those mallards and other ducks are 
you know, they, they get wise pretty quick. I've heard other guys at waterfowl hunt say that, um, you know, if they have a spot where they're waterfowl hunting and they've been shot at a lot, they won't come back to that spot again. They won't, no. Then that's what we'll, you know, then that's when we start praying for the migration from the Canadians <laughs> yep. to start coming down. Um, or you got to just know your, know your area and where to go next. Yeah. Uh, makes, makes it tough. But back to that, I mean, for me, it's outsmarting the smart, like for me, the first couple of beavers are easy. Yeah. You know, a lot of times those are your kits, your last years. Um, you might pick up a parent here or there, but then you start getting it to dwindle down and they've seen, you know, a few of their family members sure. in traps. And then they become really smart. They start wondering, what's that square? I've yeah. seen that square before. And then, yeah. then Susie <laughs> went in there and it didn't work out too well for her, you know? So then you have to start playing on, you know, you got to know your animals. Do you know what their what their feed habits are, what their travel habits yeah. are, what they're trying to do, how they try to live life? And that's doing your research, just like for us coyote hunting. When we go out coyote hunting, there's lows and highs all year round, but if you know, if you know what what's happening in the seasons and how things are progressing, your lows get a lot more flat. Yeah. And you have a, you know, then it's just highs and flats, mm -hmm. and then you're continually being successful. Right. Um, just knowing that trigger based on the time of year, because you learn what the animal, what the animal's lifestyle is, so you know what trigger works best different times of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 a challenge, you know. On one hand, people say, "Oh, anybody can do it," but on the other hand, once you get out and try it, it's kind of like turkeys. People look at turkeys; they're driving down the road. Turkeys by the road, they stop, talk to them. Turkeys gobble. They're like, "Ah, hey, turkey hunting's easy. Go out and hunt them sometime. They aren't as easy as you think they are, especially when you're hunting them. You know, you see animals do stupid stuff all the time, but they very rarely do stupid stuff when you're trying to hunt them or trap them. You know, it's it it can be humbling sometimes how smart they can be but it makes you learn and grow yep you know and in the end that's our goal is to try and become better all the time so hopefully we learn as much from our successes as we do our losses but the losses are more humbling i talked to a dnr officer up north um him and i he was just doing a routine waterfowl check you know and we were talking and checking licenses and you know, we were all legal everything was good and he I, I want, I always go up there every year for a couple of days just to trap beaver because I know I can run a, a decent line up there and be successful. And mm -hmm. I said, uh, knowing that nuisance is a problem up there, I said, do you, could you put me on some, some beavers? And he, you know, I showed him pictures of what I can do and how, you know, he goes, God, I wish I had more like you. And I said, really? And he goes, I got one guy up here that's compatible to what you were showing me. Mm -hmm. I got 50 guys that tell me they can do it and then they make the problem worse and the beavers aren't gone that's right and now i gotta try to figure out how to fill them yeah. just because it, it looks easy you know if you haven't done your research if you're not putting out your traps if you're doing things a weekend warrior mentality it it's not successful for everybody right let alone you right um so if you're gonna do it Make sure, I'm not saying you have to go all out. Um, I picked up a property here, not too far from Kevin here. Actually, that's why I'm up here. And I'm gonna be there for a couple of days, but I know what I can do in those three days for the job I picked up. Mm -hmm. 
because I've put my homework in. That's what I was up here doing. I was putting my homework in, figuring out where things were, figuring out where life is. Right. Um, but if I were to just come up here for a weekend and I just kind of semi knew, yeah, I would probably make that problem even worse. Right. Um, so in terms of challenges for trapping, um, for myself, once the snow starts getting deep, I usually don't do much. I don't snare because of the regulations by the state. I've heard a lot of people quit snaring. I've never even messed with snares. They're junk. Yeah. Um, but when the snow gets really deep and one, the biggest problem we have up here, and yes, I know there's ways you can get around it, but when it snows, then thaws, then rains and freezes again, it just screws up anything I've tried to put out. Are you talking about our bobcat season? The bobcat no, I'm season? talking about coyote. Even. I, I know. I'm just, but they yeah. gave us that stretch of the first, whatever it is, it's like the couple 10 days in December. Yeah. Right when the weather's average, usually the crappiest, the crappiest, the worst possible time that we could possibly, and they give us 10 days. Yep. Here's 10 days of the worst possible times. Yeah. Good luck. I, I feel the same way about the calling season I have around here. Our calling season for this area that I'm in is from January 1st to January 11th. Yep. I, I and it's too. crap weather almost every year. And I mean, you got, unless I want to travel to the next zone where it's longer, you know, you got that. 10 11 days and then you have to juggle work and everything else but work you know, high wind yeah crappy weather rain snow everything else and again cats you can only hunt them in the daylight so then you're that time of year you have what you say you get out of work at like i get out by three ten hours tops of daylight yeah in a whole day in a whole day yeah, yeah. i'm saying like i said i get out of work at three that gives me what two three hours tops of daylight to try and go hunt them that means i have to to have all my poop in a scoop and be able to get to the spots which i'm not actually in a zone where i can hunt them so i have to travel a few miles north it's not far Me as well um so then you have to figure out okay well what area can i get to where i know there's cats and still have some time to at least make one good set and it's a challenge it's hard and from everything i've not been successful you have mm -hmm. sometimes those sets from what i understand are you should be waiting 45 minutes to an hour yep so and i've heard of stories man, I was out there five minutes and I shot this cat <laughs> yep. at, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding. And I just talked to a buddy when I was up at um, Upland camp and he said, and he said it wouldn't take him very long and the cat came right out, but he figured the cat was bedded down right, right there. He on was the close to it yeah. when I started. But if you're going to spend an hour at and, a set. and you got to get to the set yep. without being detected, which is number one, yep. make everything set up call for an hour and you hightail it out there yeah. and try to get try to get two sets in well now you gotta again you gotta make it to the set yep slowly going undetected yep. spend another hour and then you're you're lucky you're done right? <laughs> if you're working at a regular job yeah but if you don't i mean usually if i can i'll try and take you know the weekends try and make sure to maximize those if i can during the week i just hit stuff that's close but yeah it's a challenge for sure um i haven't tried trapping cats yet i may do some this year i'm not sure yet but i i, I love calling them so much <laughs> <laughs> and, you know to be honest with you i do prefer calling over trapping but i've grown to really like trapping it's a different type of challenge you do learn a lot more about the animals um but you know going back to the logistics of it and the problems of it you have to check that line every day you have to go out there and for me like i said i get out of work at three o'clock well 
starting now through January is also deer season. So a lot of these places I might trap, deer hunters like, I don't want you out there when I'm trapping. So I have two choices. Either I have to get out there in the middle of the day when they're not hunting, or I have to wait till after dark and then go check the trap line after dark when they're out of there. And you know, that case, I tell you what, thermal comes in great <laughs> for checking your trap lines. I, I, I'm serious because I don't like to get close to my traps when I'm checking them, you know? So I check them from a distance. And at night I'll go out there and just check the trap line with the thermal. There's an animal there, you're gonna know it. So right. thermal works great for that. But for you guys, for yeah, you. Right. For me, right. Again, I, I touch mine barehanded. I don't have that, I don't have the scent control issue right. where you guys you do. Yeah. That that is a, a fact. That's not yeah. a question here. So I, I set mine barehanded. Sometimes I'll wear gloves just because the water gets cold. As you I say, even in the winter, you do it barehanded? Sometimes. You ever have yeah. your hands freeze to the traps? I've never had them freeze to the traps. <laughs> they do get cold and the fingertips get really ouchy, yeah. I guess you could say. I, but, um, I can tell you a, a pretty funny story. So I had uh, I trapped a spot and I, I have permission on one spot, but the dam is on the next guy's down. So I went to the door and knocked on the door and his wife came to the door and I didn't know how to, I knew he was home and he was probably going to give me the answer, but I asked her anyways. And she didn't give me the, the nicest look, but she said, I'll go get my husband. And I said, okay, sounds great. You know, this is, I should probably just go get in the truck right now before this gets any worse. <laughs> and he comes to the door and he said, you want to trap those beaver down there? And I said, yes, sir. I have permission, you know, before your property, I just want to get on yours because it's more effective. It makes it easier for me to be in and, and done sooner. Yeah. And then I'm, I don't have any issues. And he said, I'll tell you what, my wife is a city, city girl. And we moved out here and she sees all these animals and she thinks they're the greatest things in the world. And she loves watching those beavers swim. As long as you don't let get caught by her, I don't care if you're <laughs> down there trapping them. She, he said, please leave a few for her to look at. Mm -hmm. But otherwise you have to make sure she doesn't know you're down there. Yeah. I said, okay. So my mindset, I trap at night. Mm -hmm. I just go in with no light on and I can get in and get out. Well, I took my other buddy, other buddy, Kevin, Kevin R actually. Mm -hmm. and, uh, he said he wanted to see a beaver in a, a trap. He never seen one trap before. And I said, come with me first set. I guarantee I'm going to have a beaver. I can bet money. I'm going to have a beaver in one of these sets. And typically on my first check, I did we at least have one? So we go in and I'm okay. We got to be in, in the complete dark, you know, no headlights, just follow right behind me. Okay, okay, okay. So we're sneaking in. No, I have permission. I just, and we're in there and I look down, turn the light on real quick. Nothing in that set. So I moved down to the next one, flip the light on. Nothing in that set. Flip the light on the next one quick. Trap's gone. Set light off. I said, I got, I got one here somewhere. And uh, I said, I got to, got to get in the water. And I said, you're getting in the water in pitch black. And I said, yeah, I got to get in there. I got to go get that trap. And uh, he says, uh, you are crazy. Said, that thing's alive. I said, uh, the thing's not alive. because the, the drowning rig is not moving. So I know he's, he's dead. Mm -hmm. So I jump in the water and I grab it and I get the drown the drowning anchor to come loose, and I'm feeling it as I'm pulling it up, and it feels pretty light. And I said, oh, I got a kit, 
My kit is a baby beaver, a young one. And as I'm pulling it up, it gets longer and longer and longer, and it was an otter. Oh. I got an otter in my grounding set. And I think he was more happy than I was. I And that was my first otter. And I... He was dancing on the shore. He was hugging <laughs> me. He just threw me back in the river. And he was so happy. And um, sure enough, that was my first otter. And still waiting on that. But we'll continue on from there. And uh, we went up the river. And I, sure enough, I got a beaver up farther. And he was pretty cool. And I said, all right, now we got to get back out of here with no lights and carrying some animals. Right. And uh, away we went. But um sometimes that's what you have to do and right. um, i i still my buddies downstream still tell me those beaver are still in here wreaking <laughs> havoc you got to get them out of there and i said well i you know i can do it from your end but your end isn't very successful they just travel down there and then they're they're just they're doing all they, their work in a different part of the stream right and then they're living up where this guy is so that's why i got to go up there every so often just to thin them down Sure. Um, typically, most of your beaver damage is done by the kits. So the kits are their teeth are always growing. Yeah. So the way to think of it, and this is not kid friendly, but is like a teenager wanting to hook up. They get all excited and they're always trying to do it. And they're trying to do it, and they have that's just their mindset well the beavers are doing the same thing the teeth are always going so they have to keep chewing they have to keep going it's a need for them it's a need yeah. and so they're taking down just because you have a big tree coming down does not mean that it's a big beaver right. um he's just chewing to, to to whittle his teeth down yeah and the actual big beavers are actually taking stuff the size of your pinky down because they're lazy they're old and the young ones do all the hard work yeah. <laughs> and they're the the old one or the young ones again are the ones maintaining the dam so now as the dam builds it's just them working and being busy beavers and yep. uh, being the best constructors construction workers there is in this world so um, not knowing um do muskrats do the same type of damage as beavers do to the extent of like blocking waterways Per se, no. Okay. They're not going to dam up like okay. a place. Um, they're going to build a hut. The yeah. hut will divert, you know. Um, but they're bad on crops, right? Along waterways. Well, what they're a lot of their problems are tunneling. Oh, so tunneling. They'll tunnel to make a, a den. Well, now the farmer comes and drives by, and that Collapses collapses. And now you blow a tire. You blow, you know, right. the things ruined. And now you know somehow you break something in the combine. Okay. And now they're ticked off and they need to go. And then as they're eroding and digging, they're pushing all that sediment into the water. Okay. So now by doing that, you're thinning out the water and you're changing the water temperatures, uh, causing issues along that route. And then again, you have more bank collapsing, which with runoffs and everything else. And okay. then so I didn't know how that worked for them. Yeah, they're just I mean, again, it's they're a water rat, right? And so are beavers. Beavers are just really, really big water rats. Yeah. And they they produce, they they reproduce, and they um, just keep they grow. But they say, on average, your your one year old beaver is twenty pounds. They get twenty pounds in their first year, and then on average, they get about 
10 pounds every year from really? there forward. Okay. Now, just like in this world we have today, you got skinny kids and fat kids so you're gonna have some that are bigger some that are smaller sure. just, just like coyotes um i've seen fat coyotes and i've seen stuff that you wonder if they're even eating anymore <laughs> right um but so that's i've seen some big ones uh chuck Barron got a really big one two years ago now i think he lives north of me here and i think that one was like 60 pounds Yep. I, I never realized beavers got that big until I started seeing some of these ones that were trapped. And I'm like, holy cow. So my biggest is a 65 pounder. Um, I have a buddy, he lives, he's in Wisconsin and he traps pretty big over there. And his biggest, I believe was 74 pounds. Holy cow. And then I was reading an article a couple of years ago and it's probably not true, but some guy in Canada claimed he got molested by a 108 pounder. I think I remember hearing <laughs> something about that. <laughs> um, but they are going to keep getting bigger sure. until, you know, their life expectancy right. brings them back the other way. But yeah. um, so that's just how it goes. They, they get bigger and um, yeah, that's, so that's what beaver trapping is. So like, you know, we get, when you buy your fur harvester's license, it must be same thing with your bobcat tag. Every year they send out a survey to us so, yeah, from the I, DNR. Yep, I sometimes get them. I don't get them every year okay. anymore. So like one of the questions on there, they ask you obviously what areas you trap, and then they ask you how many days for the season did you actually trap. So let's say you know, like for example, land trapping starts on the fifteenth and goes through was it April first. April first. How many out of those days do you think you actually engage in trapping? Just a rough idea. Yeah, and that's tough. You know, it depends on the year for me. Weather conditions, snow, everything Weather else. conditions, snow, calls. I do a lot of nuisance back home. Mm -hmm. um, word of mouth, people call me. Nuisance in season. Okay. So beaver trapping is, you know, I'm having an issue. They're damming up or they're taking down trees or doing something. So I'll pick up some here, pick up some there. I don't, I have so many hobbies that it's tough to say, you know, like coons, we can't technically coon trap next to water for, I believe it's the first 10 days or something okay. like that, first seven days. I I don't look because I don't even monkey with anything right. until then, until I can get into my better water sets. Yeah. Um, so I don't even start off there. I would say, I really don't start any more trapping until well, November 1st, which is when the middle zone opens up. Okay. And then we'll just say a month and a half, maybe two, okay. two months, because I do a lot more on the back end. So mm -hmm. where your fur isn't worth trapping anymore for coyotes, that's when beaver fur is a lot better. You get the spring beaver okay. trapping. So your trapping season, even Fox shut down March 31st, yeah. right? February yeah. 31st. Oh, it'd be March. Okay. So as soon as that ends, that's when your beaver trapping starts. And then as soon as we get open water, I start doing a little bit more spring beaver trapping. Okay. And then I kind of, I chase it a little bit sometimes, depending on how the fur is coming, because they start to molt too. And the under fur starts coming out as they start to get into you know warmer warmer water and stuff and 
as soon as that happens, it's not worth chasing because then there's no money in it. So obviously this can be an expensive hobby. Um, you have trap prices, fuel prices, your travel time, meals, lodging, everything that goes along with trapping. But like with calling, you know, someone gives me a holler and says, hey, you know, got coyotes out here, can you come help us out? I don't charge for that because usually it's not, I can go up there, you know, once a month, once every couple of weeks, whatever. It's not as bad as when you're trapping, you have to go every 24 hours. And, you know, I enjoy both of them. So, you know, I really, I would never really have asked anyone for any money on any of that just because I enjoy it so much. But like I said, trapping is a different story. I mean, there's a lot more involved in it. If nothing else, just on the frequency, you have to go to that property. Yep. I had a guy, he asked me out of season if I could come nuisance trap. I'm not a certified legal nuisance trapper. So I said, if you can get the permit from the biologist, you know, then I'll come, come do it. Mm -hmm. And then we worked out something because then I was able to be put on as a yeah. guest, I guess you could say to yeah. them. The, You're the designated nuisance control person for that property. Yes. Yeah. I've done that before too. And in, in terms of calling. Okay. And then they, I got to go in out of season. It was actually like two weeks, three weeks after season was shut down mm -hmm. in the spring. And so then I, I was given a permit to get in for X amount of time. And it, it says you're given, I believe it was 30 days from set date to, mm -hmm. to do what you can. And then if you go past 30 days, then you have to, the biologist had to come back out again. Renew your permit. And he did. Uh, the guy was actually having a beaver um, decided he wanted to put his, uh, his hut, his underground bank den, underneath the guy's boat shed. Oh, wow. And sure enough, that boat shed was starting to collapse. Oh, wow. And it was not just a very rinky-dink <laughs> boat shed, to say the least. Uh -huh. The guy had some money into it. So, uh, the, and, you know, the area was, was known to have a lot of beavers. So it wasn't like the population was going to be decimated to take right. them off of here yeah um, so we went <laughs> in and sure enough i took took a few out like i needed to and more moved in from the neighboring oh yeah uh, yep. <laughs> and that's that's the one thing i tell a lot of people you know what i can come in and even muskrats when i come in to do muskrats for you i'll get them all out of your pond for the most part mm -hmm. depending on the size and and whatnot but if there's a crick flowing by a river another pond that's not on your property next year you're gonna have more yeah they're having babies yeah. even in the winter they're having babies yeah. and then once the snow and the ice goes away well, now they got to find a place to live yeah so then they come over to you yeah. and it's just a never-ending cycle i've seen that with raccoons too um i got a spot the guy was losing chickens and ducks he thought it was coyotes and fox which i hunt the property and we done a pretty good job of knocking them down but i started walking the property checking it out and i said your problem here is raccoons He's like, what raccoons i said oh yeah they'll decimate you know birds so well, i went and got a bunch of dog proofs and we put them out and i showed them how to reset them and i said if you want me to come if we catch them you want me to come take care of my will otherwise i showed him how to do it 
and he set, I don't know, I think we set eight or 10 dog proofs around his property. I think the first season we did that, he caught almost 20 raccoons. Oh boy. Yeah, he had a lot of them around there. Um, he ran out of freezer space because he thought he wanted to save them. And he's like, I don't got any room for anymore. So <laughs> then they started, and that wasn't getting any more. So he figured, yeah, I'm good now. Until and then, just not too long ago, he said, man, I'm losing chickens again. He says, you know, I think it's a fox or coyote back again. So no, it's probably your raccoons again. So once again, set out traps for him and he's gonna start <laughs> catching more coons but yeah it's and that's you see that with almost any animal that if there's a food source there if there's cover there if there's water there you're going to have other ones move in after you eliminate some you almost have to have like a maintenance plan really to I manage them i talk to people about this all the time i know it's not good for us to try to pick up property and say we're going to get rid of your coyotes for you because you aren't you're, good you're never going to. And nope. I tell them the landowners, I said, I'm I'll shoot a hundred and I won't, but let's say I shoot five out of you off of your property yep. and I shoot one or two off the neighbors, and you know. So what's gonna happen is let's say there's still a mating pair. Well, now they have a, a litter. Yep. Now you got the litter. Now you're back to a, a number. Yep. Across the road, the next block up, they yep. have a couple that no one's taking care of, they're gonna move in. If there, like you said, if there's a food source, it's yep. the same thing that happened to me with those red fox. I had a lot of rabbits in that area and it was thick cover and it was great rabbit hunting. And I enjoyed every minute I had with that, with my, the neighbor of the property, he was 86 years old and I learned so much how to rabbit hunt with that guy to the point where he told me with the last rabbit hunt I ever got to go on with him that I wasn't allowed to use a shotgun the next time because I, I would sandblast him before he even got a chance to see one. Yep. He told me I had to use a rock and a stick the next time. Um, but there was a food source there. I eliminated one predator and in came another one. Yep. Um, I mean, we need them. We need predators. Sure. It's I a say, balance. Yes. And I say this to everybody. You know, I hate I hate coyotes and I love coyotes. Mm -hmm. I hate them. They take our deer down. They, they do damage. They do a lot of problems. And yep. they're an aggressive dog. But we need them to balance the population of, you know, the food source, the, the diseased animals, the, yep. you know, there, there's a reason. Nature's cleanup crew, everything. Right. Yep. yep. There's a um, book that I have that I've read. I think it's called The Journals of a Coyotero. It's a, I don't even know if he's still alive, to be honest with you. I think he is, but he's an older gentleman and he spent his whole life as a licensed, um, nuisance animal control specialist out west so he spent his whole life after family coyotes so he wrote a whole book on it and what his observations were what he learned the methods etc cetera, etc cetera. and there's a quote that i absolutely love from his book it's towards the end of the book and the quote says i love coyotes coyotes do what coyotes are supposed to do and they're a necessary thing he says what i don't like is people that aren't as smart as coyotes and it's a good point. I mean, yeah, like you said, they're a necessary part of the ecosystem. You know, it's funny, you get these antis on there that, oh, you just want to hunt them to extinction, kill them all, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, no, I don't, because for one, then what would I do? Because I enjoy <laughs> hunting them. And two, I don't want to cause any animal to go extinct, but there are, you know, management properties to try and manage the population. 
what people don't realize is the higher the population, eventually disease will spread, starvation will happen. I mean, there's a plethora of other things that can happen if the population gets too high with any animal. Hunters, trappers, anyone that's into conservation like that knows that and plays a pivotal role in managing those populations so they don't get to the point where they starve. They don't get to the point where they're having mange and parvo and distemper all over the place. I'm not sure what that entails with, you know, water animals, but we don't see it so much in the water animals, but the raccoons are a big one that we oh, see. Yeah. So the, the number, the price, like we were talking earlier, goes up and goes down. And if it goes up, everyone traps them. Right. And when it goes to the bottom, oh, nobody traps them. But then yeah. distemperment kicks in. Oh, sure. And it just plays wreaks havoc and kills them yeah i know guys that were i talked to them and they said oh man you know this year i'm gonna let i got a spot that's just loaded with with, with coons raccoons and they're just full of them in there and i know they're saying next year the prices are going to come up a little bit and i'm going to go in there and i'm going to get so many raccoons and i'm going to be rich and they go in the next year and there is no raccoons right and they find out that and they've seen that just temperament kicked in mm -hmm and kill them right and then they go in and they they thought they were getting a payday and in reality since they weren't ma maintaining their population properly it actually came back to bite them in the butt sure and, so that disease spreads faster when there's high populations right you know and that's the same thing with mange once mange is in a i see that a lot i don't know if you do but if i find one with mange i typically find it in that area i find quite a few yeah. and then it's you're just shooting them to euthanize them at that right. point yeah mercy killing almost right and what some people don't realize too is especially mange because mange is a parasite it can spread to your pets too so managing that population especially if there's mange taking out the ones helps prevent hopefully your pet getting it we have a friend of ours up here that their dog they have a norwegian elk hound actually got mange from a red squirrel it killed this red squirrel and got mange and it took them half a year of medication to that dog to get it for to get rid of that mange and mange will kill an animal eventually they'll die of exposure from it in the winter a wild animal but you know parvo and distemper is a completely different story that'll kill even a good healthy animal no matter what the weather conditions right and so by managing those populations you're going to slow any spread of that in my opinion no you're you're right and in theory if we're never going to be able to get them all right but we're able to slow it and we're able to contain it to a, a better point coyotes do travel miles oh, among yeah. miles they have documented gps proof that they, oh, yeah. they travel a long way so yeah. if one gets it here and he takes it to another state sure hey it's nothing you can do there but your own home core population you can maintain right and and help help the spread of it um and you, you'll see it too when you shoot one and you go out there and you put it in the woods like you're supposed to and nothing will will eat it nothing no. the coyotes won't go to it nothing monkeys with it because they and that's about <laughs> it <laughs> nothing really the birds don't go on it they all everybody understands that there's a disease there even the wildlife right and yeah. that that that's because they're they're trying to stay away from it but when you when one has it and he goes in the den and then here comes another one 
and it goes in the den and it's just a, a mite, it, it's there and it, now you're ru it's rubbing on it. Right. Coyotes are very social animals with each other and they are always rubbing up on each other. Sure. Um, it, it can spread. So if you have the ability to get rid of that mangy coyote, it's worth the, the dollar, two dollars it takes to just to send a bullet. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I get it. An arrow is, you know, bow arrows cost a little bit more, but it, it's worth it if you yeah. can help them out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, that's good for me tonight. How about you? Yeah, I got I think I'm going to go do some calling tonight. Okay. So just to let you guys know, I am probably going to be doing a lot of videotaping to keep you guys up to the date um we'll have some when i go to the up i'm going to be trying to do some filming for you guys to give you guys a heads up on uh how the martin fisher trapping is going i'm going to see if i can try to get some live stuff up there but i don't get very good service so um but i will be trying to send my stuff down to have these guys post for you guys so if you guys are interested please you know comment post on here send us messages let us know what you guys want to see and uh, we'll try to trapping wise we'll see if kevin and i can get some of the stuff and answer some questions for you sure very cool yeah definitely i'll be doing the same once i get started here in another week and a half or so <laughs> all right thank you carl yeah have a good night kevin you too